Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. Thank you for the encouragement that we receive from your presence here. But beyond that, God is pleased when people have genuine interest in these assemblies. And God's will is that what we learn from His Word in these assemblies, we take seriously and we apply in our personal lives out there. This year, I'm preaching through 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And what that means is, once or twice a month, the sermon comes from 1 Corinthians. And this morning, I'm located in chapter 11, the first part of chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians. Now, what do we know already, those who have been with us in these sermons this year? We know from the first 10 chapters that the local church in Corinth was troubled by conflict. And we know that that conflict had some variety to it. There were a number of different issues. But there isn't any doubt. People were on edge. There were some destructive attitudes. And we will see later in our study this year, false teaching had to be answered. Paul takes up problem after problem as if he were going through a list that they sent to him. And Paul's purpose is to supply answers and solutions from God. Not from the mind of Paul, though he had a good mind. Not from the experience of Paul, <clears throat> though he had good experience. But these answers and solutions came from God through Paul. We are in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 16. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair or shave her head, let her cover be let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created from woman, but woman for man. This is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. 
For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are of God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. I will not attempt in the next 25 minutes or so, I will not attempt during our time this morning to define every word and explore perfectly every phrase and every detail of this text. It is too much to compress into the time that we have. And in fact, I will tell you, this is a difficult passage. And in a single sermon, it is not possible to respond <coughs> to every question, every possibility, every interpretation. In past studies in 1 Corinthians, and I'm sure in future studies, the problematic details can be explored further. What I want to do is get to the main idea and then conclude our study with three practical lessons each of us can apply from that main idea that's in the text. It starts rather easy. Be imitators of me. Now it's very important when you read that phrase to include the next phrase very quickly. The next thing he says is, as I am of Christ. So, I am not to read this and stop and then think Paul is setting himself up as the master. The qualifying phrase is critical. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So, any imitation or influence we receive from the Apostle Paul must be received as from his master. The ultimate king and example, Jesus Christ, who is our master. Jesus is the highest model only as Paul followed him is it legitimate for us to imitate Paul. To this he adds, I commend you. You do not expect to find this in the first Corinthian letter to a church with so many problems and issues. But he says, I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions <coughs> even as I delivered them to you. It is refreshing that in a troubled church, <coughs> still, there was a basis for Paul to commend those who remembered and maintained the apostolic traditions. Now, don't let the word traditions throw you. The raw definition of that word is that which has been passed on are handed down. If what is passed on or handed down has its origin in God, it is worthwhile tradition to be remembered and to be kept. 
So Paul, as an apostle, passed on or delivered what God intended for people to hear and remember and to comply with. It was commendable that those teachings from God were remembered. Now, we come to verse 3, and Paul takes up the next issue on the list of issues in the church at Corinth. He begins with principle that was established at creation, reaffirmed after the fall, and repeated in the New Testament. Let me state all that again. Paul begins to tackle this next issue with principle that was established at creation, reaffirmed after the fall, and repeated in the New Testament. And it is the head of a wife is her husband. Paul specifically makes that point. He lays down that principle before he navigates into what he's going to talk about. So let's stop right there to just go ahead and state the obvious. That in our culture today, this provokes a negative response. In our culture today, this provokes a negative response. Our society in general doesn't like what Paul wrote. And sometimes Paul is blamed. Paul didn't originate this. Paul didn't set this up. Paul was not a religious or spiritual legislator. He was a messenger guided by the Holy Spirit. This is part of what God established that Paul was delivering. Nobody should blame the messenger. And there is no vagueness or straining to get the meaning. The head of a wife is her husband. Now, Whatever difficulty you see in words and phrases that come after this in the paragraph, this is not the difficult part of the text, is it? Exactly what is written in Ephesians in chapter 5, what is written in Colossians chapter 3, the head of a wife is her husband. Now, those who just don't like this need to understand it is what God set up. The Creator put this order in place. So your quarrel is not really with Paul or me or the church or anyone else. This statement is found here and in other places in a document that we call the Word of God. The head of a wife is her husband. Now, the next part of this requires some discussion about cultural Symbols. Let's talk about cultural symbols. Every culture has a variety of symbols or behaviors that communicate something. We humans communicate not just with words, but with actions, with countenance. Sometimes we communicate with silence. And add to that a whole package of various behaviors 
within a culture that communicate cultural symbols that may include what you wear, how you wear it, when you wear it, and where you wear it. I'll give you a very recent example of cultural symbols. On the 4th of July, the other day, many wore red, white, and blue clothing and wave flags. Those are symbols. They mean something. They communicate something, even if no words come from your mouth. That symbolism has clear meaning for us in America. It doesn't hold much significance in Africa or Austria. See, every culture develops a variety of symbols, and those symbols carry messages. I'll give you some other examples. I was in the Philippine Islands in 1981. <clears throat> and before our arrival, we learned useful information about that culture. When you enter a home in that culture, you speak to the oldest person first. It is a sign of respect in that culture. Now, maybe the temptation from our culture would be to say something to the little kids who are right there when you open the door. In the culture we were visiting in the Philippines, we decided to comply with their symbols. We wanted to communicate in a way so as not to distract from our purpose. We didn't want people to say, well, those preachers from America have no regard for our old people. They came in the house and spoke to the kids first. We didn't want them to have that in their minds as a distraction from what our purpose was. <clears throat> so to show respect, when we entered family dwellings or church buildings or gatherings, we spoke first to the elderly. Now, we didn't have to do that. But we thought it wise to adapt to their symbols of communication to convey respect. In our culture, it is customary for men to remove their hats during prayer, national anthem, or other solemn occasions. Now, in these examples, there is symbolism in certain behavior. You are sending a message. You may not say anything, but you're sending a message. And as a Christian, you want to avoid distraction or misunderstanding. You don't want to send the wrong message. In the Philippines, we wanted to comply with their symbolism to show respect for the elderly. In the removal of head cover by men, that has long symbolized respect. So, we arrive here at the matter at hand in first century culture and Corinth. Paul is not binding a cultural symbol and making it universal for all time and place. He is asking Christians to be sensitive to the signals and messages they send. There is no command given through the apostles of Christ that binds this practice or mandates that women have heads covered in worship context. 
Paul indicates this was not something bound in every church. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Paul indicates this was not something bound everywhere in every church for all time. The important element is what was communicated, what was symbolized. And the message from God through Paul, make sure you do in a culture what that culture understands that conveys what you want to convey. Don't send a message that you don't intend to send. For men and women, this was different. Paul makes it clear in verse 16, there is no intention to be contentious or make a cultural practice into universal binding law. But that symbol of authority in that culture communicated respect and principle. In Corinth, in that time, and in many places today, men should remove their cover as a sign of respect. It is symbolism. It communicates. In Corinth, in that time, and in a few places today, women should be covered as a sign of respect when in a religious setting with men. It is not the same everywhere. But when cultural symbols are evident, we should become engaged to avoid sending messages we don't intend. Because we as Christians are careful about everything we communicate with countenance and words and tone, with gestures, with dress, with behavior. It all communicates. The covering in Corinth doesn't have the same meaning in America today. In our culture, when a female comes to an assembly like this without a hat or covering, we do not assume anything disrespectful about her. Symbols are not uniform from culture to culture or from generation to generation. Now, we always say about this, if a Christian woman is not convinced and wants to wear a covering for her own conscience sake or safety, we offer no criticism at all. But to me it is clear, the cultural symbol of the covering in Corinth does not communicate the same message today. So today, while we are not bound by first century Grecian or Jewish custom, there are lessons to be derived from this section of Scripture. May I bring up these three points. Number one. Paul refers to what we sometimes call creation principle. When you look at verses 8 and 9 and you go back to Genesis 3 and then you look at 1 Timothy 2, there is creation principle about male and female. While the cultural symbol that was their concern in Corinth is not bound universally... The reason for what the symbol conveyed had its existence in a creation principle about men and women. I'm turning to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 15. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. 
I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Do you see? While the Corinthian symbol is not bound today, we must not dismiss everything in the passage because in the passage there is principle. The subjection of women written by Paul in 1 Timothy 2 is principle. It is creation principle as explained by Paul. Adam was formed first, then Eve. The woman was deceived first. Whatever you decide about the covering symbol in 1 Corinthians 11, the subjection of women as written by Paul from God is an existing principle because it's rooted in creation, not in culture. It is opposed by society today, rejected by many in the religious world, but it's written by Paul here on the page, and it's from God. It is not cultural, it is creation principle. Number two, among those things that are from God, male and female are not the same. There should never be any gender confusion. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Jesus speaks on the subject of marriage and he isn't confused. He goes back to creation. In Matthew 19, 4, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? How many do you count? Male and female. This is one of those places in the Bible where as a reader and student, what you have to decide is, are you really a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you believe what he said? If you are swayed and enticed and tempted to favor what the modern culture preaches, you may ignore this verse or attempt to put a cloud over it or explain it away. If you're a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, that settles the gender issue forever in your mind, your words, and your behavior. It is this simple according to Jesus. There are two genders, male and female. Marriage is between male and female. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And here in 1 Corinthians 11, the head of a wife is her husband. These things are from God the Creator, and are not subject to adjustment when society goes crazy. Number three, we ought to be sensitive to the messages our behavior sends. That may be the primary thing we ought to get from 1 Corinthians 11. We ought to be sensitive to the messages our behavior sends. Do you remember Earlier in our studies in 1 Corinthians concerning the matter of diet and issues of conscience, 
differences between Jews and Gentiles about what they ate. It was in that connection that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8.13, If food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Paul didn't want to do anything or say anything that would cause someone to stumble, that would hinder his conveyance of the gospel message to people who were different from him. And part of that was he didn't want anyone to get a wrong impression and block out what he had to say. So where he could, he would adapt to various cultural symbols. He didn't want to signal or dispatch some message that might communicate something he didn't believe. Here in chapter 11, Paul is asking men and women to be sensitive and careful and thoughtful about the messages they send through the symbols of the culture. When possible, we need to avoid any behavior that might send a message that we do not intend. Especially when those behaviors and messages have to do with respect. If something is considered disgraceful in a certain culture, a location, or time, and you can avoid it, do so. Don't send messages that communicate something contrary to God's will in your mind. When I was in the Philippines, had I ignored speaking first to the elderly, what would they have thought? And would that have blocked my access to them with the message that I brought? I didn't want the natives to think I didn't respect their seniors, so I complied with their symbolism. I believe that was the right thing to do in that situation. It may seem silly to us sometimes. It may seem like a little thing for men to remove a hat when praying. To remain still when God's word is read or a prayer is spoken. To avoid distracting people during worship so far as possible. Those may seem to be very little things. But when consistently practiced, they can add value to our influence and help others be clear that we reverence God. I want us to remember this about 1 Corinthians. While this was a local church with multiple issues, there were solutions from God written to them by Paul. In the New Testament, we have a book of divine solutions. I mean, when there are problems in your life and conflicts in your relationships and sin to confess or just confusion, open this book. Read it with intention to be a disciple of Christ as you apply what you read. Next time in August, we'll move forward in chapter 11 with the instruction about the Lord's Supper. If you're a Christian, knowing what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you consider to be important and valuable and practical everything God said we ought to do. If you're not a Christian, why not use this opportunity 
to acknowledge your sin, confess your faith in Christ, repent and be baptized. Can we help you with that? Let's be standing as we sing. Jesus calling. <coughs> Love 